This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fan podcast. It's been a minute, AC, but we are now mm-hmm. brought to you by Duke Blue Brotherhood on freeforums.net. AC, this is a new site, but it brings together the collective minds, insiders, and historians of all the great Duke basketball websites on the web. Anything you want to know from insiders on recruiting, insiders on the team, and just historical nature, including Jim Sumner, Duke Blue Brotherhood on freeforums.net is the place to go. I encourage everybody to sign up. It is, it's been awesome for us to be a part of it. And the amount of information on there, I know you contributed, but there's a lot of information on there for any diehard Duke basketball fan. They should be a part of it. Yeah, man, there's already a few, uh, they already have a few hundred threads going, and I think the thing's only been up for like a month and a half, two months, so they're, uh, they're definitely doing some work getting it together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a good, uh, good experience to be on there. They, uh, they feature our podcast on the website, so, you know, shout out to that, and shout out to them for, for allowing us that space. And yeah, man, just good, good Duke basketball conversation, and something that's sorely needed right now. People, people really need sports right now, man. <laughs> I can't, I can't stress that enough. Honestly, like they need some sports, so it's it's yeah, a good place we, to go to talk to, to kind of escape from everything. Yeah, we we all do, and we're gonna kick it right off. So we felt like this would be an opportunity for us to do something a little bit different. So we have five historical Duke matchups, point guard through center, mm-hmm. and we're gonna kick it right off with the point guard at the number one. So we have sophomore year William Avery. Versus freshman year, only year, Tyus Jones, mm-hmm. AC, who do you got? Right off the bat, man, I got, I got to go Will Avery, man. That guy, and I know Tyus is recent and recency effect. You know, most a lot of people will put Tyus as one of their favorite, favorite and or top Duke point guards ever, which is not necessarily a wrong statement. I don't disagree with that, but I don't, I don't think a lot of people got a chance to see Will Avery or remember seeing Will Avery. And that dude was just amazing for an already amazing team. And he's one of the reasons why that 99 squad was so good. And, and Avery could, he could do anything on offense. He wanted to, he'd get to the basket, he could shoot, he could dish. He was, he was a decent defender, a little bit underrated as a defender, but man, that dude, he could go, man, he could just go. And, and, and just the way he was able to lead that team and help bring that group of egos together was, was definitely a, a big time thing for, for him as a point guard. Now, you know, he's back on campus as a grad assistant with the team and everything, I love seeing it. And yeah, man, got to go Will Avery. Yeah, I, I want Will Avery as well. But I wanted to ask you this: if the, and this is this hurts me to my core, and I think we I've already come up with a segment uh, for our next podcast: <laughs> selfish fan wishes. Oh yeah, it's going to be a new segment. Uh, but if, if if William Avery had been on that team in '99, that had completed what they were destined to be. Mm-hmm. Do you think that do you think that this would have even been a debate? No, no, no. If 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 that squad wins the title, then Will Avery definitely is put in the same pedestal that Tyus is. If if Tyus's team didn't win the title, I don't think we talk about Tyus as well as we did because a lot of people forget he had a he had that freshman stretch, kind of January February where he was not he wasn't as effective as he was towards the end of the season. Like he started he grew a lot after that that little losing streak that that team had in the middle in the middle of the season that ACC season Tyus grew out of that man and he and he showed that's where he, he earned the stones moniker and everything else and, and Will Avery you know he he left school on you know he left school against Kay's wishes you know seemingly and I, I think that put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths he's one of the first guys from Duke along with Brand and along with Maggetti to leave school early. I think that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Whereas now it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a given a kid comes in as a three-star and he's going to leave after, after one year in college. So, you know, it, it's a different time. And I think that put a lot of people in a bad place when Will, when Will Avery left as a sophomore, he wasn't even a freshman, left as a sophomore. And, you know, it's just one of those things, man. Like it, it's an unfortunate time for him to, to be who he was. But that doesn't take away from what he did on the court and, and just how how tight his handle was, the vision he had on the court, the the connection he had with Brand, the fact in that Connecticut game that they just couldn't get on the same page was so odd to me. Like, I don't know, man. It was, it was like I love Will Avery to death, man. I love how how good of a player he was. 
Yeah, he, he's one of my favorite players of all time. Um, you know, a lot of our younger listeners will obviously pick Tyus, and I get it. Uh, and to be fair to Tyus, the way we kind of set up our comparisons for for each matchup was kind of take their best year. And so Tyus mm-hmm. only had that one year. So right. if we looked at freshman Avery versus freshman Tyus, I think that, you know, Tyus is obviously going to get that nod. But again, mm-hmm. you're talking about two different eras as well because right. – you know, a lot of players weren't leaving as early as they are now back when William right. Avery was playing. So, again, a little bit of apples and oranges. So we wanted to take sophomore year Avery here. And to mm-hmm. give you a little, you know, kind of comparison on the stats, William Avery might have been one of the more underrated players that we've had come through it, uh, come through Duke in the last 20 years. He averaged 15 points a game, five assists, three and a half rebounds, one and a half steals. I didn't realize this, by the way. He, he shot nearly 50% from the field. 41% from uh, from three and 81% yep. from, from the line. Yep. You know, Tyus was automatic from the line, shooting nearly 90%. Tyus averaged more assists at 5.6, mm-hmm. averaged 11.8 points a game. Both of them had dominant big men that, as you mentioned, they had great relationships with. Yep. And th- both of those teams were so strong at the point and at the center position. Mm-hmm there was a reason that they got as far as they did and both of them should be national champions. Um, I thought that just talking about their games, I thought that William Avery had more of an explosive capability than Tyus did. And that's why yes. he got the edge for me. You know, yes, and he was more wired to score. Like I think you yeah. could drop, I think you could drop Will Avery on any team in, in, in Duke history almost. And he would fit that squad very well. Whereas Tyus, I think Tyus needs someone like Ja. He needs somebody to take the pressure off of him because he's not like he's he's not one of those guys that can just take it off the bounce and just go at people. He did it, but that's because Ja was taking so much pressure away. It's because Justice was able to take some pressure away. I think Will Avery had that explosive. He was like he was almost like Jay Williams before Jay Williams was there. He was able yeah. to just he was able to do whatever he wanted to do on the court with the basketball. He was you know he was better than Ron Curry. All the all those types of things, man. He was he was one of those guys that could just go and. You're so happy to have him on your team because he just makes things easier for you. One of my favorite games, and I brought this up before, is the 99 game against Florida in Cameron. Everybody remembers the Corey McGetty slap the backboard dunk. People don't even realize in that game, William Avery set the Duke record for mm-hmm. most threes. Yep. He filled it up, and mm-hmm. Cameron was going absolutely crazy. Um, Stones Jones obviously gets that moniker for a reason. His freshman year was the thing of legend, and he became the thing of legend because of the threes that he hit in crunch time. Right. He's he's as good as anybody I've seen in a Duke uniform that when the game's on the line, you want the ball in his hands. And that Absolutely. was Christian Leitner. I mean, he's on a very short list than that. Absolutely. He's so he was so steady with the ball. He he was he never let anything get him rattled. That that UNC game in Cameron is a, a prime example of that. Just the team is down late and he just never stopped, man. He just never stopped and never let his head hang. And you know, it, the rest is history. Like it's, it's just, it's the way he was wired. And even his, even his brother, you know, Trey, you see Trey have that, some of that same, some of that same DNA in him. And it was, it was great to have Tyus for the year that we had him. And yeah, this is not a slight to Tyus me picking Avery over him. It's just no. like, if I, if I'm picking anybody to fit any five, I'm, I'm picking Avery. Like, Tyus is a great distributor. I think he's a better distributor than Avery. Better free throw shooter. You know, and, and for me, that's where it stops. At, at that point, I think Will takes over on every other every other category. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think the way we set this up is to make sure that we had the tightest matchup possible. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's, it's Avery by, you know, by a hair. Yeah, and yeah. You know, I, I, I just I, I loved his game, and I think that if he had the opportunity uh, to come back his junior year, he probably could have been a player of the year candidate. Oh, um, absolutely. And so, who knows what that would have done even for, for Jason Williams and those guys, man, for yeah. their careers. You know, the one benefit that uh, both of those guys had is, you know, Wojo played with, with Avery his freshman year, and then I just had mm-hmm. Um You know, both of those guys had awesome leaders to help groom them. Yep. And, you know, their, both of their leaderships, leadership qualities were so underrated. Everybody knows about how, how good Tyus was as his leader, but he kind of leaned on Quinn 
Sean Curry mm-hmm. or Avery was a phenomenal leader. Even though we had yep. Trajan there, he was he was the leader of that team. Yeah, I think everybody like everybody knows Shane Battier and everybody and I mean Battier's my favorite player, don't get me wrong. And Battier Battier became the lead. He was he always had that leadership quality, but he didn't he was not the vocal leader of that team. No. Well, Avery was the vocal leader of that team. Yeah, he absolutely was. And mm-hmm. you know, we, again, we had Trajan Landon there as a senior, but he was kind of that um you know, that quiet leader. Yep. And Avery at the point, he knew everything that Kay wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. He was wise beyond his years. Um, so we're going to give Avery the, the edge collectively on that one. So let's move to the two. All right. This is, this is one of my favorite ones. And this is <laughs> yeah. the one that we, we both kind of, we, you know, ask this any time of day, our answers might change. Right. Sen- senior year, Seth Curry versus sophomore year, Luke Kennard. Who do you got? <laughs> On Sunday, Sunday, May thirty first at seven forty five, I'm saying Luke Kennard. <laughs> That's what I'm going with on that one. Yeah, uh, same time period. Obviously, uh, I'm actually going to take senior Seth on this one. Um, and the the reason, wow, and t- I don't know why it's a woo because this is a coin flip for me. Um, uh, but I felt like what Seth did, not being able to practice mm-hmm. at all during his senior year. Mm-hmm. And still being able to put up the numbers that he did at the rate that he did. He averaged 17 and a half points a game, one and a half assists, two and a half rebounds, a steal. He shot 46 and a half percent from the field, 44 from the from the three, 81 from the from the line. I know Luke has better numbers across the board. Um, but just what Seth was asked to do in the state that he was in, I feel like if he had been able to practice all year, if he had been healthy his numbers would have been astronomically better, which is saying something considering the guys that we had playing with him, Ryan Kelly, Senior right. Mace, who was the, the big man of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Duke was the best team in the nation along with Louisville that year. We yep. all remember how they were paired together. Um, a lot of that had to do with what Seth was able to bring, and, and that was being injured the entire year. That's what kind of hurt him in the draft process. He couldn't work out for teams. He couldn't do the combat. He couldn't do anything because of his injuries. So being able to put up those kind of numbers in the state that he was in the entire season, yep. that's why I'm giving Seth the nod here. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. And, and when he was at Liberty, you saw you saw what he could do. I mean, just averaging 20, what, 25 points a game or something like that for two seasons at Liberty is just, you know, astonishing kind of just following right in with his brother and and now not we're not we're not using NBA NBA stats for these comparisons. Let's just get that out there. But you see what he's done in the league. Like you see what Seth has done in the league. He's he's earned his place everywhere he's gone. And now he's just he's one of those indispensable characters on a team that when they have him, they're super happy they have him on the squad because they know he's gonna knock down his shots. They know he can run the point if need be. Like the dude he balls, man. Seth Curry balls and and it is what it is. And Luke, in my mind, his sophomore season at Duke was the same thing. I mean, God forbid we talk we talk about Duke all, or Luke all the time as being robbed for ACC Player of the Year his sophomore season. Yeah. And that that alone for me is is enough. Like, and I know Seth was injured. I know he was, but with the team that he had, I don't know that even healthy if they would have leaned on him quite as much as they did with Luke. And Luke had you know, equally as much talent on the team he was on. And he, he just took over on offense. Like his, that season he had was incredible, dude. Just the, the way he, the way he shot, the way he played it, it was, it was phenomenal to watch. And that, that alone, just at, at the shooting guard position, his, his shooting ability and his ability to just go into that unconscious state is why I'm taking Luke over Seth right now. Yeah, you ask me again, like you said, ask me again tomorrow, and I might yeah, say, you know, know what? honestly, that, yeah, yeah. one of the reasons that I was going to give Luke the nod uh, over Seth was his clutch gene. So, mm-hmm. if you remember the game that he had against Wake Forest, yep, um, you know, at Wake Forest, knocking down that three at the end to, to yep. win that game, he brought a single handedly back into it. Uh, the threes that he hit in the ACC tournament that year yep. were just unbelievable against Louisville, against UNC, against mm-hmm. Notre Dame. Um, he was unstoppable he like you said they they leaned on him but they had so many other pieces around him they 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 didn't you know have that true point guard that year right you know you can consider what luke could have done with a true point guard you could have considered what luke could have done without without Grayson allen yep 
And and you can kind of say you can really say the same thing about Seth. He never had a yeah. two point guard who was there. Like he had Austin, who's a scoring point guard. And then the senior season, it was kind of, I mean, I, I guess Tyler Thornton and so like you know what I mean. Like it was it right. was really you know, like he they didn't have a point guard on that squad either, and that was ultimately that team's downfall. So it's you know it's it's they're both they like like you said we picked guys who kind of had similar situations, similar stats, all the above. Those two guys are in the same they're in the same conversation, man. Like you know, Nolan Nolan Smith with Seth, that was a great combo. Those those guys working together, you know it. it ah, God, what could have been? And, and, you know, Seth's coming. Seth's coming out party was that game second half against UNC. Against UNC D. and Cameron, yeah. And you know, he him and Nolan Smith brought us all the way back at the time. It was the mm-hmm. biggest comeback um, in Cameron against UNC. Cameron yep. absolutely electrifying. Um, that was one of the greatest, uh, just, if you're going to watch one half of basketball of Duke, mm-hmm. you might want to throw that game on. That, that That's one of my favorites, man. It's on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, search it's, for it. It's one, of, it's one of the ones that I've watched during the quarantine multiple times. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody remembers Nolan's uh, N1, you know, dapping it up with the yep. Cameron crazies going absolutely nuts. But Seth was the guy that was right alongside him, 1 absolutely. and 1A. Uh, bringing them back. So, you know, Luke Kennard, his sophomore year, averaged 19 and a half, two and a half assists, 5.1 rebounds, which, again... He was an underrated good. rebounder yeah, from the car position. he was a really underrated rebounder. Mm-hmm. And never remember how great of a passer he was. Yep. And you people know, always talked about, like, they talked about his... They just remember the conversations. People compared his toughness to Singler because Kennard was a high school quarterback. Same thing with Kyle Singler. Yep. And Singler is one of the toughest SOBs we've ever had at Duke. And and Kennard was, you know, even though even though he averaged sixty two hair rubs a game, he was he was a tough he was a tough son of a bitch, man. <laughs> like the dude, the dude would go at it and he wouldn't back down from anybody. Eighty six percent from the line, he was automatic. Forty four percent similar, uh, if not identical to, to Seth, and then forty nine percent from the field. Uh, Luke was unbelievable. Again, if yeah. you ask me in five minutes, I might change my answer. Um, but I'm going to pick Seth just because right. of the injuries that he had to deal with. So now we're going to move to the small forward position. This was the toughest one for me. <laughs> we have junior year Mike Dunleavy versus senior year ACC player of the year, Chris Carrawell. Yeah, man. Like, uh, I, I, I'm going Dunleavy. I'm going Dunleavy, and I'm not going to look back. I'm going Dunleavy. I'm I'm going yeah. Dunleavy for how just how the the jump he made from sophomore to junior year and Shane leaving and then him being kind of that takeover power forward now or small forward whatever you want to call him and he was he was amazing his 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 junior season was amazing uh, I'll never forget his junior year man and and I actually met him on Duke's campus uh, that off season when I went down to visit for colleges and uh, I got a chance to meet him he's got a huge head by the way. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But um, not 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 figuratively. I literally mean yeah, that. It, like, <laughs> well, of course, uh, that was standing. Right, right. But no, just the the all around game he had. Like, just, I remember Dick Vitale slobbering over him and Tayshawn Prince all season. He called. He put him on his like all Will Smith team, which he was calling that like guys who could who could do everything, saying act dance all the above, and that he was comparing Dunleavy to that. And all season it was him and Tayshawn Prince on on the all on the all uh, Will Smith team for Dick Vitale. That's all he would talk about every Duke game he comment uh, commentated on. But it is true though, like the rebounding, his rebounding numbers, seven rebounds a game, his uh, his shooting, the, the percentages he was putting up from the line. The only thing that really stuck out was how bad he was from the line. He and Jason Williams both, man. Yeah. Um, it, that's the one thing that kills me with with his season. And honestly, that's what happened with that Indiana game. So you know, it is what it is. But it just he had an amazing season um this 2.2.3 steals a game where'd that come from like what like i didn't realize he was putting up steal numbers like that on a team that was you know hunting steals on the perimeter with duhan out there and jason williams but he was getting his fair share too dude like how did anybody get the ball across half court with those guys out on the perimeter so i loved it i loved how smart he was on the floor um give me done levy yeah, it, this was another one that was a complete toss-up for me. Um, I'm going to take Carowell. Carowell, to me, uh, at least as long as I've been a fan, we're looking at 30-plus years now. I'm old. 
Uh, but <laughs> Parowell, to me, was the most underrated player in Duke's history as long as I've been a fan. Yeah, I think you might be right on that. Um, ACC Player of the Year, what he had to do um, his senior year, you know, after all those guys left, after Brand left, McGetty, mm-hmm. Avery, Landon, to come back after being 37-2, and two, uh, a play away from the, a national championship, losing all those guys and to, to come back and have the takeover season that he had, uh, win the ACC tournament, ACC regular season. Yep. Uh, he was so good. He put up 17 points a game, three, 3.2 assists, 6.1 rebounds, steal. The, he was, the, he was he dominant was without being dominant. Yeah, he like, could do he, it all. He was such yeah. a Swiss Army knife. Absolutely. He never had one dominating stat, but he was his presence was always known on the floor. That was the one cool thing about him. It was like, it was almost really, honestly, we, we compare a lot of these guys, Jason Tatum, some of the others to Grant Hill. Quite honestly, the closest thing to Hill we had was Chris Carwell because of, because of how well he, wh- what he did, every single, every statistical category he affected in some positive way. And Grant was the same exact way. Talent-wise, yeah, not talking about that, but I'm talking about how he affected the game. And, he was, and he Carwell so did versatile. that. He yeah. was so versatile that he could really affect the game in so many different ways. He could have zero points in a game and be player of the game. Well, you still remember his freshman year. He had to guard Tim Duncan. Yep, yep. Um, but either way, so Carowell to me, um, you know, that season, you know, you look at seasons, you know, differently, uh, especially coming into them. And I know that when you have a lot of talent, like a 99 uh, this past year, the past couple of years, where your your expectations are final four or bust. Mm-hmm. And for, for the year 2000, you know, that year was just keep the boat steady, you know, after all those guys left. And they mm-hmm. performed admirably. They had such a good year. They did so many different things. And Carowell, I think, contributed in a way that allowed us to win the championship the next year. And I'm sorry that he won part of it. Yep. Um, because of all the things that he put, you know, he was selfless. The year, the year that they came off of and, and all the things he was asked to do, especially for the young guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that if you, you could take any Duke team in the last 20 years and no matter who's on the roster, you can put Carowell in there and he's going to perform exactly the way he did, you know, his, his last two or three years at Duke. Right. I, I think no, no, no. he just does yeah, everything. Yeah, Yep, absolutely. He does. He, he, he did it all for Duke and... Like you said, he's 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 the most he's got to be the most underrated player at Duke. He has to be like that. Yeah, it's between him and Daniel Ewing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Daniel Ewing, I felt like got overshadowed by JJ Redick, but he was so good. Um, a lot, right? And, I mean, he's the his him bringing that fin- bringing his pinky finger in the AC championship against Georgia Tech is the reason we didn't beat UConn. I'll say it till I die. Yeah, again, selfish fan wishes uh, that that would be <laughs> up there. Um. So, yeah, so this is another one. You know, I'll leave these numbers, 17.3, 2.1 assists, 7.2 rebounds, like you said, 2.3 steals. Mm-hmm. They both shot 48% from the, from the field, 38% from, uh, from, from three-point land. Um, obviously, Carowell is a much better free-throw shooter, nearly 80%. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Carowell, I felt like he could D up Dunleavy. He was such a versatile defender. And so that ultimately gave me the edge there. He was. He was a, he was a great defender. Dunleavy is a very underrated defender, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, that that two point three steals, I I I really I did not I totally forgot about that. But just you have to have me look that back up. <laughs> but just remembering um his performance against Station Prince. Station went off against Duke when they uh yep. when Duke played Kentucky that season beginning of the, the season. But when Dunleavy switched All to Station, by the way. Yep, absolutely. Uh also on YouTube in full. But Dunleavy switched over to, to Tayshawn, and really he started stifling him the second half of the game because I believe Dante Jones started out on Tayshawn early on. That kind of that feisty defender, and Tayshawn just had a field day on him. So, you know, Dunleavy kind of took over that assignment and really, really battled at the end of that game and, and gave Tayshawn all he was worth. And all season long he did that, man. He, was, he played just countless, you just name it, Maryland, all the, all the teams. He, he, was, he was always always in on, on one of the team's best players, especially the best wing players. So. I mean, it, it's gonna be—it's hard to stop Dunleavy too as a scorer. Like 
all things equal, offense, good offense usually beats good defense, all things equal, because defense is always reacting. And Dunley, we could always keep somebody reacting. Like his his highlight reel is really impressive. Like the, just some of the things he would do on the court, man. He's he's very sneaky. He's very sneaky. I I, I love Dunleavy, man. I, I I'm I'm partial to him. I gotta pick him. Yeah, no, I mean, I love Dunleavy as well. Um, again, that the, the way that season ended, it doesn't do justice to how good that team was. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dunleavy, was, I mean, he played himself to the number three pick in the draft. So Absolutely, it goes to show you if the the amount. I mean, he was planning on coming had. back for a senior season before all that. Like he was, yeah. He had already told J- JJ Reddick J- on his J- visit. JJ brings that up all the time. All the time, yep. He told him on his uh, visit that he was going to be there for him because he wasn't planning on he wasn't planning on being uh, the number three pick in the draft. That's for sure. No, uh, <laughs> I mean, how, how do you plan for that? Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure JJ. Uh, it's interesting. It's always interesting to see like guys like him if they would have come back for one more year. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we we can have that conversation before a lot of the one and done. But even when you go way back. Um, to, to those early 2000 years, some of those guys that did leave a hair early. I mean, we're talking about a junior Dunleavy. You know, right. he played three years. Imagine if uh, Tatum plays three years. And speaking of which, <laughs> our next <laughs> nice, matchup. Nice segue, the, man. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, our, our next one, and to be fair, this was the easiest one for, for me to pick, but I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, freshman and only season Javari Parker versus freshman and only season Jason Tatum. Again, before we get jumped on or before I get jumped on for my pick, NBA, not we're not talking NBA. We're not talking what they've done in the league. We're talking about what they did in their one year or two years or three or whatever at Duke. And I'm going freshman Jabari all day long. Like, yeah. Jabari's freshman season was something that was just astounding. And we got robbed of it with Kyrie seeing, seeing a freshman do that. And we got to see it with Jabari, and I know how the season ended, and I don't care because Jabari was so good his entire season. Yeah, for, for me, it wasn't even a question. Again, this is just the their Duke seasons, and it doesn't mm-hmm. take anything away from what Jason Tatum did. He averaged no, not at all. Numbers. He had 17 points a game on a team where Luke Kennard averaged 19 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Grayson Allen was there coming off a year where he averaged 20. So yep. he averaged 7.3 rebounds a game, 2.1 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.1 blocks, shot 45 from the field, 34 from three, and 85% from the line, and I'm not picking him. I'm picking <laughs> Jabari Parker, who averaged 19.1, 8.7 rebounds a game, uh, 1.1 steals, 1.2 blocks, shot mm-hmm. 47 from the field, 36 from the three, 75 from the line. And dare I say, I just talked about Chris Carroll being uh, the most, you know, underappreciated maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, Jabari Parker might be right there in the one-and-done era as the most underappreciated one-and-done we've had. I think you're right. I think you're right because of how they lost the season. Right. Everybody, I mean, anytime, anytime that, you that lose the Mercer, yeah, yeah, anytime you lose the Mercer, it's going to put a stain on how people remember you and your team. I get it. But when we're talking, it's it's the same thing with RJ, man. Like, that, too, that team yeah, makes the Elite Eight, and, and people talk about RJ like he cost them their season. Like, he's the reason they're there. Like, no, I'm not even going to get started on RJ. Sorry. Yeah, Jabari, okay, so it's the same thing. Same conversation. Like, Jabari, the only reason that team was even remotely as good as they were is because of Jabari Parker. Yeah, we had Roddy Hood and Jabari mm-hmm. Parker, and that was pretty much it. We had Rasheed, but he was up and down. We had Andre, right. he was up and down. We had, we, oh, you know, these guys that Quinn Cook, you know, sophomore year Quinn Cook, he well, started out the year hot, and yeah. he fell off. Exactly. Like, if... If Jabari had a normal freshman season, like a normal freshman season, we're probably looking at very a, a very similar outcome to what we saw with like the the Josh McRoberts, Greg Paulus led Duke teams. Like, yeah. and I'm not joking about that. Like, I, th- I think we see like a ten loss, twelve loss type of season, and we're we're limping into the tournament as like a, a five or six seed, hopefully. Like, it, like Jabari and Ronnie Hood together, and, and really Jabari, like Jabari is what made that team. Like, Ronnie was really good. Jabari's what made that team. The dude was he was a first team All American, man. He was and he was he, he, he second was, leading vote getter for player of the year. Like he was he was robbed of the ACC player of the year. He was robbed of national player of the year. And he was robbed <laughs> and he, and he was and he was robbed of national player of the year. Yeah. That's how good he was. Exactly. Like, let's not forget that. Like the dude was he was completely dominant and did it all season long. Like Jaleel Okafor had a very similar statistical type of season where he was dominant all year in the national player of the year convo. But Jaleel kind of fell off towards the end of the year. Like Jabari was so steady all season long, and 
and just and did always did it with a smile on his face. Like his demeanor on the court was incredible. Like that was he was he was well well wise beyond his years. And I, I, I loved his season at Duke, man. He's I will always hold him in high regard as as one of the best because you gotta kind of separate the one and done era guys from like the four year yeah. era guys. He's in, in that one and done era, I'm I'm always keeping him in in the in the at least in the top five for sure in the top five with all the talent we've had come through the last few years, definitely in the top five, if not top you know, three or four. Yeah. You know, what's funny for me is, you know, talking about Jabari Parker, um, this is going way into the weeds here. Mm-hmm. Um, that off season, um, what, you know, Jabari had already been committed to Duke. Mm-hmm. We were in the running for a, uh, grad transfer, Tariq Black, yep. um, to play the five. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't think it was necessary for us to that we I, I didn't think we needed him. Right. Um, you know, and you know, Terry Black was a solid player. Um, you know, he wasn't earth shattering, but in hindsight, that was one of my biggest one of my biggest misses in terms of evaluating. Oh yeah. We needed a we needed a five. Jabari was the guy that jumped center every single game. Yep. He was forced to play the five. He did, like you said, he did it with a smile on his face mm-hmm. uh very often. And you know, Marshall Plumley he he did what he could, but he wasn't, you know, the Marshall Plumlee his fifth year, right? Uh, where he where he could really contribute. He was still he was he was still raw. Yeah. And we we needed a five there, especially a shot blocker that could help protect the rim because that 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 team defensively that was the Achilles heel. They were so oh God, poor. Yeah. They were so poor defensively <laughs> that it, it 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 led to losses that we should never have lost, including mm-hmm. the Mercy game. And yep. I can remember real quick. I can remember. Um, that season and the Murphy game specifically where I, where I was sitting that entire year, I can remember saying, unlike a lot of other two teams, past, present, and future, mm-hmm. when we needed a stop, I knew we were, we were not going to get it. Right. With that, that team couldn't make a stop to save their life. Mm-hmm. And that really hurt his legacy. Yep. Absolutely. It really, it really did. Like that, that Mercer game, like Mercer ran, they didn't. They didn't have a game plan for Duke. Like they ran what they ran against, like Coastal Carolina. Like they they seriously they were just running. They were running what they would run in in the A Sun Conference. Like they just that our team defensively that year was just so bad. And I mean, part of that's like you're saying, like we needed a shot blocker in the middle. We we needed somebody to hold it down in the middle. And that wasn't Jabari's stick, man. Like as as you saw later on in the pros, how he felt about defense. And, and right. even and even like even at Duke, he he buckled down on defense as much as he could. Like he he t- he took it seriously. He really did. And it it was just it was one of those things, man. We just were not we weren't wired. That team wasn't wired for greatness. It just weren't. But we had a great player. We had Jabari Parker, man. Yeah, and so I was at the uh, Syracuse game, the uh, famous game where <laughs> Jim Beheim mm-hmm. throws his jacket across the court. Uh, Jabari Parker was the main reason that we were able to finish that game off. Ronnie Hood played very well too. Everybody remembers his. Uh, the the reason that uh, Beheim lost his pool at the very end was a, a Ronnie Hood play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was an N one. One of the most fun games I've ever been to, by the way. But um, you know, my whole thing with Jabari is again how undervalued he is. But absolutely. But I wanted to give Jason Tatum some some love here in this in this segment. While it was easy for us to pick. Javari Parker in the matchup. Let's not discredit what Tatum was able to do. 17 points a game, yep. two assists, seven and a half rebounds, 1.3 steals, 1.1 blocks. You know, a guy putting up those kind of numbers yep. uh, with all the other guys that we mentioned earlier that he had to play with, he was clutch too. And I think what took away a little bit from him was I think you know, everybody remembers the game against uh, NC State where playing against Dennis Smith, uh-huh. uh, we're getting crushed. And Tatum makes a really dumb play with, you know, you know, a handful of seconds left, and we lose the game. Right. And on all these message boards, not the Duke forums in that, but all these other <laughs> message boards, all these players, or all these um, fans are attacking Jason Tatum, yep. which I, I remember specifically at the time, I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. We're not even in this game without Jason Tatum. Jason right. Tatum brought us single-handedly back in that game to the point where we actually had a chance to win it. That's how and, bad we were to that point, and Jason Tatum won us back. And that was a—I think that was a culmination of 
a very weird relationship that fans had with Jason Tatum from the beginning because we saw what he did at TTC. He was phenomenal. He is he is the best player in the court at TTC by far. Like that was that was astonishing to me. I, I was there. I think you were there for that, right? In sixteen. Yeah. Yep. And just watching watching that happen, I was just like, I couldn't tell if we were going to be a good team or if we were going to be a bad team because of how mediocre he made everybody else on the court look. And that includes Luke Kennard, who I just picked earlier over Seth Curry. Like, I'm not saying they looked bad, but they, they looked like college players and he looked like a professional. That's kind of what it looked like. And then he gets hurt and doesn't play. And then he comes back and he's trying to find his way into the roster. And he forced it. He did force it. Not denying that, but I think fans were giving him a lot of hell for that. And it's like, what else is he supposed to do, man? He's He is brought in to be one of the leading guys on the team. And I know everybody loves Grayson and I know everybody loves what Luke is doing, but we need Jason Tatum. Like stop, (laughs) just stop it. We need him and we need him to be great. And he was trying to work himself into greatness. And we saw how it turned out. The end of his season was phenomenal. Like the stats don't do justice to how good of a season he actually had 17 a game sounds great, but he was better than 17 a game. He really was. And that was really because of the end of his season. So yeah, I think that NC State thing, I think that was a it was just like a, it was it was a culmination of how fans were feeling and the frustration they had towards that, towards the Harry Giles situation, all the above and it was just kind of unfair to him. You know, you know Jason Tatum that season, you know, everybody remembers Harry Giles being hurt. But that year all but like two players got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Tatum got hurt at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. He didn't even play until we were at Madison nope. Square Garden. Everyone remembers Kyron Irving being courtside. Yep. And Jason Tatum's going off. Right. Um, that was like his introduction to the world um, mm-hmm. outside of like Duke Nation and recruiting gurus. Um, Jason Tatum was so good, and he was he was still rusty. Yep. Um, you know, Jason Tatum. You know, it's funny. AC, if if Luke Kennard is not there, Brayson's not there. One, she's not both, but one or the other. Does mm-hmm. Does Tatum average twenty points a game? Because a lot of Easily. shots were taken, were, were taken away from him because of all the guys he was playing Right. And people said he forced so much and was a ball hog. Tatum Tatum gave the ball up a lot, and he 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 deferred a lot to Luke and a lot to Grayson, and he probably shouldn't have a lot of those times. Right. And then you yeah. saw against UNC when he finally stopped doing that, and you saw what happened. Like the UNC game at Cameron, you saw what Jason Tatum was about to become in the pros. Like the dude was just – easily like easy like what we saw in, in ctc he was easily the best player on the court by yeah. far and he's he stopped deferring and i i wish he had a little bit more of that against south carolina because and and the the chemistry issues that team had are well documented and everything else but he he was the best player and and the team should have recognized that and they should have allowed it to happen k recognized it and I, I don't think the team or the fans really really bought into him being the best player on the court and he was yeah, rem- remember Kay was out for a period of time that year as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there were so many factors that went into that year. It was just a crazy year. Um, yep. I'm not just going to top this year, but, you know, yeah. that that year was, was crazy. The amount of injuries that we had, yep. coach was out. Um, we, you know, coming into that year, we had, at the time, the best recruiting class ever. Mm-hmm. Giles had a phenomenal offseason, and before Dude. it even got started, Talk about Sunk Guy. Can we please do the yeah. selfish fan wishes thing? Because oh uh, no, he he might be top of the list. Him and Kyrie might be one and one A. Um, ironically, yeah. both ironically both wore number one. Uh huh. Um, yeah, like Harry Giles was like he was like the best player ever in high school. <laughs> like yeah, he really yeah, was. Man. Yeah, it was brutal uh, to think about that. But yeah, okay. So Jason Tatum, um, I love that guy. I think that. He he's another one of these guys. I don't know what it is about this list, but mm-hmm. you know we have a lot of underappreciated guys, and Tatum's right up there. And Absolutely. we see what he's doing, obviously in the pros. Um, you know he's 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 bound for greatness. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a multiple multiple time All Star. Yep. I think you know even with Giannis in the lead, I think he has a chance to be an MVP at oh, least absolutely. once, multiple absolutely. times possibly. Yep. Um, he keeps getting better year after year, so. Um, it's fun to be able to have him as a representative of Duke because he loves Duke. He always talks about the brotherhood. He reps him all the always time, wears Duke gear all, all the time. All the time. Yep. Absolutely. Putting up Duke highlights all the time, not even just of himself, like other players on his stories on Instagram and stuff, and he has a huge Instagram following. Like, yeah, man, he's he, he's a great representative for the NBA itself and, and a phenomenal representative for Duke. And, and 
he he again does it with a smile on his face despite what a lot of fans said about him and thought about him. He he represents Duke to the fullest. All right, now talking about the man in the middle, our last mm. matchup, the number five position. This might be my favorite uh, one. Yeah, it's Matt Christensen versus Nick. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's not it. That is not it. Who was who um, was that Duke longer? <laughs> right, who's that Duke longer? Matt Christensen was there for twenty-seven years. Uh, he actually just graduated with a Matt was uh, there. Double, double doctorate. <laughs> he was uh, there. He came in the year after Wojo, and then Wojo coached him, dude. <laughs> like, he, he was there that's for quite a while. That's insane, isn't it? He was there. He came for quite in the year while. after Wojo, and Wojo coached him at Duke. That's crazy to me. Um. All right. So the real one here is Big Ja Jaleel mm-hmm. Okafor versus Junior Year Carlos Boozer. Who do you mm-hmm. Give me Boozer, man. I'm not even gonna hesitate. Give me a boozer. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I know I know what Jaw did. I know how how amazing of a season he had. Give me a boozer all day. I, I'm partial to the, I I'm I'm partial to the big man, man. I'm partial to I, I love a good 6'9, 250 pound just brick wall with a, a giant he had a, a life-sized grizzly bear tattooed on his arm. Like it was not a lot of people know that. He actually traced a grizzly bear's face on, on his tattoo. That's how big his arms were. But uh, but All Boozer, right. <laughs> <laughs> but Boozer, dude, that dude. I mean, you saw it. You saw what you saw. What one of the best Duke teams in history looked like without him. That that two thousand uh, two thousand one squad when we went down the broken foot, and then when he came back, the difference that he made twenty twenty two points down against Maryland in the uh, in the final four. Like, I, I I don't have to go too much further. Like Boozer is the reason that we came back in that game, and his rebounding. His ability, his rebounding is just—it's it, amazing. The 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 rebounder he was, and I, I don't think that gets enough credit a lot of times because we've had some great rebounders in Duke history. But Boozer was—he was an exceptional rebounder. But his free throw shooting—he was actually—I think he was the best, best or second best free throw shooter on that team. <laughs> the the two thousand uh, the two thousand one two thousand two team, unfortunately, because Jason Williams and, and Dunleavy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn from the line. But um, but Boozer was just he he always he always came with his hard hat on. Had a great mid range game. He could get to the basket. His post his footwork in the post was sick. He he could put any move on anybody, and and that's what really gave him life in the NBA as well. Um, he luckily he came along at the time he did, because uh, I don't think he fits now. But back then he he fit very well, and and is it, it was just like he. Coming from Alaska, creating that Alaska pipeline, still so he was he was great with Duke, man. I, I loved what he did, did with Kay. Yeah, I think that uh, everything you said right there is absolutely correct, and um, you know you almost convinced me to not take Jaleel here, but I'm going to take <laughs> Jaleel. Um, to, to me, Jaleel is a guy that should have won Player of the Year, like you said earlier in the podcast. Yeah, he, he tailed off a little bit at the end. But he was by far the best player in the country, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, that team goes only as far as Jaleel takes it. Um, you know, people, yeah. you know, He's the reason funny, for all of it. You know, it's, it's funny the uh, the amount of, like, not hate is not the right word, but, like, discredit he gets in the national championship. He was playing mm-hmm. ball and he got himself into foul trouble. But the two baskets he made, the, the rebounds he got at the very, very end of that game, that clinched it for us. Everyone remembers tying season three, but Jaleel had a couple unbelievable rebounds and putbacks yeah. that helped us win that game. I mean, the um, hand one with Kaminsky wrapped around his arms, like that's insane. And that was, and that was, that was after playing not particularly his best, right? And being able to still come back and be able to make that kind of mm-hmm. move as a freshman. Um, yep. Jaleel, and you know, and we talked about injuries with Curry. I mean, he had that ankle injury against UNC. Yeah, and, and, and came and, back. What did he do in that overtime? Oh my god, <laughs> he was unstoppable, man. Put Meeks on his back. Oh my god. Um, you know, so Jaleel to me, uh, you talked about. Yeah, you might have convinced me to switch. I'll tell you something now. Talk about footwork. Talk about uh, the Mike drill. Yeah. Uh, his ability around the basket with both hands. He could finish anything. Uh, he was an underrated shot blocker, actually. Mm-hmm. He averaged 1.2 uh, shot, 1.4 uh, block shots a game. Mm-hmm. Boozer averaged 0.6. Yep. We yeah, Boozer was not. 
Yeah, he wasn't a shot blocker, that's for sure. We, and, and, even, and Marcin Jaleel is a, a great defender by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination. We know his struggles as a line. But Jaleel, he could score. If you got him the ball on the post, it was a bucket. Not only that, but one thing that he had that Boozer didn't, maybe it's because of the team that was around them, as soon as Jaleel touched it, he was double and triple team. Yep. The entire, the entire year. Yep. And he got the treatment. And if you talk to and you hear, if you look back at, you know, past interviews with, you know, Tyus, with Quinn, with Justice, they all talk about there was no second option. When we got the ball, the first option was get the ball to Jaleel and we figure it out from there. <laughs> he made he made life so much easier for everybody else. Whereas I would argue, as much as I love Boozer, Boozer's life was made easier by having Dunleavy, Jay Will, Duhan, and then look around him. You know, Nate James, um, you know, that was his, his junior year. But, mm-hmm. you know, even having Dante Jones, you know, having those guys, I think that, you know, as great as Boozer was and he was great, I think that if he was option number one and he was double and triple teamed, he wouldn't have put up the numbers that Jaleel did. Because I think that Jaleel was that much more superior on the post than any big we may have ever had, if we're being completely honest. Ooh. Yeah. Even Bagley? No, I mean, if you if you just think about the, their their games, and Bagley was so awesome at you know being above the rim, that wasn't Julio's game. The the best part about Bagley's game was how quickly he was able to get his second jump. He had the greatest second jump ever, but of anybody had ever seen except for yeah. Zion, yeah. Uh, who ironically came the next year. That was Bagley's game. Bagley was throw it up as quickly as possible, go get it, and put it right back. Whereas Julio was so finessed. In terms this of game how, was fine for sure. It, it was it was so much more fundamentally sound than Bagley's was. Mm-hmm. You know that you know Bagley's athleticism is what's going to make him a better pro, and we've seen that. You pointed earlier, Boozer's game wouldn't have translated to the NBA now, and right. Jaleel's struggling in that. He, Jaleel's had to refine his game. He's had to refine yeah. his body uh, to meet today's NBA. Um, you know, if, if if I'll say this, if Jaleel had played with Jason Williams. Dante Jones, Dunleavy that year, mm-hmm. I think that his numbers are probably better. And that's not a knock on, it's not a knock on Boozer, but if you're telling I don't know if it'd me be to, better because those it, guys it, had it, to get it, their it, shots. Sure, but, but you know, Boozer put up 18.2 points a game, right. Jaleel put up 17.3. Mm-hmm. They both averaged eight and a half plus rebounds, um, but you're not going to double and triple team Jaleel down there if Jason Williams doubled oh, no, for sure. there. And for sure. So, and and, and it, that was Jaws' evolution yeah. towards the end of the season as well, was he he was getting those triple teams, and when, when Justice and Tyus finally were able to start scoring, that took a little bit of pressure off of Jaw, and Jaw was able to kind of just, he was kind of able to do his thing towards the end of the season there. he You, you could see just how much, how much more comfortable he was playing because he had a month stretch there where he was just, it was like the Vernon Carey thing for if we want recency, want to talk about recency same thing with Vernon Carey about how often he was just double and triple teamed it was kind of the same thing with Ja you you could see the weight lift off his shoulders towards the end of that season when when he wasn't getting that treatment anymore like when he was going one-on-one against Gonzaga's bigs in the tournament it was like eat him alive (laughs) please thank you I'm I'm so glad that we had a team full of bigs because that that was that was all that was the best possible combination we could have had Everybody was like, oh, they have all these bigs they can throw with Duke. It's like, well, that's exactly what we want because Jaw's going to eat anybody else's big alive. Like, I think you might have convinced me, man. <laughs> like, you might have convinced me. The only, the only thing, the only thing I'll say about Boozer, Boozer's mid-range game is the only thing that keeps me from fully, fully committing to switching over to Jaw because that's the one thing I think that would have kept Boozer from being triple teamed and double teamed was the fact that he could step out to that free throw line area and and you're not double teaming anybody out there. And like you said, with Jason Williams, with Dunleavy, of course, you're not going to double team anybody, but ah, you might've made me switch, man. You might've right, got so me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this podcast off. So <laughs> my, my five, my five is William Avery, mm-hmm. Seth Curry, Chris mm-hmm. Powell, Jabari Parker, and Joel Okafor. You have uh, William Avery, Luke Kennard, mm-hmm. Mike Dunleavy, Jamari mm-hmm. Parker, and Carlos Boozer. I have to think that if, if Vegas is setting a line here, I'm probably favored by about three and a half. Yeah, you might be. You might be. You might be, but my team can play well on the road. 
Um, LaFlan and Cameron, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're going to give me, I'm pretty sure they're going to give me the edge. Right, right. Uh, so there we go. That is it for us. Um, that we're going to do fun. our bonus content. What's that? We're going to do our bonus content. Bonus content. What do we got? Yeah, I'm going to throw something at you. Oh no. Here we go. Here, here's the six point play right here. All right. 2021 recruiting. If you had to get one of these two guys, Griffin or Baldwin. Well, we already have Griffin, um, but I, I will say, if, 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 if we're saying that, I do, I'll, I'll say this, um, you're you're much more of a recruiting guru than I am, but I think Patrick Baldwin is by far the best player in this class. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I gotta go, I think I gotta go Griffin on that one, man. Okay. And, and I just, I just found out today, too, that me and Pat Baldwin have the same birthday, so that's... I, I should be like on the Shame, ball shameless plug, right? Shameless plug, right? But dude, it's so hard because these are my two. These might be my two favorite recruits ever. Like, truly, my two favorite recruits ever, and it's not hyperbole. They're both so good, man. It, but Griffin, dude, wait, just wait till you see this dude, man. Like, I can't say enough about forty-five percent from three, fifty percent from the field rebounding ball handling five assists a game like griffin does he he does everything man i can't wait man i can't wait i can't wait i hope i hope the g league doesn't plug these two dudes man i can't wait like i think they yeah. stand i think their publicity stands to go higher at duke than it would in the g league so i have a feeling that they will be there but dude like he doesn't belong in college he just he does he truly doesn't belong in college well, hopefully he's not listening to this, and hopefully he does come to Duke. <laughs> I will say that that's another topic that we need to discuss uh, mm-hmm. on this podcast because we need to figure out where Duke stands versus the, um, you know, versus the G League. Yeah. And you know, my feeling on this, just as a teaser, is I think Duke's going to be okay in this situation because I think, I think so that Duke marketability is going to be able to withstand that. Plus, if and when. The, the NIL stuff happens. I think Duke's going to benefit more than any other program yep. in in college basketball. So I think we're going to be okay from there. But mm-hmm. this moment is about the matchups. It's good to be back. It's been a while since we've been back. Again, the Five Point Play Podcast brought to you by Duke Blue Brotherhood on FreeForums.net. Yes, they're actually sponsoring the Five Point Play Podcast. Yes, Another are. thing, AC, I want you to plug our Twitter because... You're going to put up all these matchups on our Absolutely. Twitter. And you're going to yep. let the fans decide who they like in these virtual matchups. Absolutely. Get your votes in. Easy. Just click on the poll. You'll see them all up there, putting all the matchups up. And we'll see We'll see how the fans agree with what we did or if they disagree with what we did. All right. Here we go. I'm pretty sure they're going to agree with me. We're <laughs> a Vegas favorite by minus three and a half. Welcome back, everybody. Sports will be back soon enough. Go mm-hmm. Duke. Go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the 5 Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at 5 Point Play Podcast. That's the number 5 Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, 5 Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!